Wake up, sleepyhead. It's that time again to get up out of bed. Welcome to the Java and Jesus Morning Show, where we brew some caffeinated Christianity for you. Good morning. My name is John Souza. I'm the pastor at the Salvation Army Church in beautiful downtown Rochester, New York. All right, well, thank you, thank you. Today, uh, get your Bibles open to Psalm 139. Again, that's Psalm 139. We're going to take a look behind the curtain, what I would call the divine curtain on the character of God. Yes, we're going to look behind the divine curtain of the character of God. Before we talk about the curtain of God, um, you probably heard about the Iron Curtain. Do you remember where the Iron Curtain was located? Yes, that was at the Soviet Union, uh, separating Soviet Union from Europe in 1945 to 1991 with the Berlin Wall. Till that came down, I actually owned a little piece of the Berlin Wall that a missionary from Germany gave me years ago. Perhaps you remember the Bamboo Curtain. Where is the Bamboo Curtain located? It's the, the uh, political demarcation line between East Asia and China. And then some of you Bible scholars might have ever heard about the stone curtain. The stone curtain was, is found in the Bible in 1 Kings 15, 22. It's where King Basha of the northern uh, kingdom built a stone wall to, inhabit, uh, to inhibit the uh, people going down to the southern kingdom of Judah. It's called the stone wall, 1 Kings 15, 22. And if you're an NFL fan, you probably remember the steel curtain, the Pittsburgh Steelers front four, Mean Joe Green, Elsie Greenwood. Dwight White and Ernie Holmes, those four guys were the, the steel curtain. They won four Super Bowls. I'm actually from Cleveland, Ohio, so I never really appreciated the steel curtain, but I will never forget them. And then if you're older like me, you probably remember the classic movie, The Wizard of Oz, where you had this great hologram of the wizard's face on this curtain, and it was so scary as a kid. And then Toto goes and pulls the curtain back, and what do you find behind that curtain? An old man. How disappointing. But today we're going to see in Psalm 139 that David is going to pull back what I call the, the divine curtain on the character of God. And you're not going to be disappointed because God is not an old man. Uh, Paul says in Romans 11.33, the, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how unfathomable are his ways. God is a deep God and he calls deep to deep, Psalm 42, verse 7. And today David is going to post, write Psalm 139, we're going to see this. And we're going to see that David has this great insight into God's character, to who he is. And I believe this is what made David a giant killer, because he knew who God was. This is what made David the sweet singer of Israel, because he knew God was. This is why David was a man after God's own heart, because he saw this deep character of God. So today I'm going to title this little radio message, The Wonderful Ways of God, The Wonderful Ways of God. Let me say a quick prayer. Father God, we just pray that you would just open up our hearts today to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray as Paul did, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of, of the inheritance of the saints, and we would know, Father, the surpassing greatness of your power towards those who believe. So open our eyes to your greatness, O oh Father God. May we understand the wonderful ways of God. So bless this, this radio show this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks. So I hope you got some job in your cup and your Bible you've opened up because we're going to go to Psalm 139. And as we read Psalm 139, we're going to see God's omniscience, his all-knowing. We're going to see God's omnipresence. He's present everywhere. And we're also going to see God's omnipotence. He's all-powerful. So Psalm 139, we're going to go verses 1 through 6, first of all, and talk about God's omniscience, 
his all-knowing. Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain to it. Wow. You can take all day to talk about these verses, but I only got a few minutes. But uh, first of all, we see God's omniscience. He knows your ways. God knows your ways in verse 3. Do you know he's acquainted with the stars? Psalm 147 verse 4 says, God knows every star. He knows them by name. You can go outside at night and look at all the stars, and we can barely see a smidgen of how many are really out there. But God knows each star by name. He knows Sirius. He knows Vega. He knows Altar. He even knows Ringo Star and Bart Star. God knows all the stars. But not only that, we're also told in the Word of God, Matthew ten twenty nine, that Jesus or God is acquainted with the sparrows. He knows when every sparrow falls to the ground. God knows the birds. He knows each bird, I believe, by name. He knows Tweety Bird. He knows Donald Duck, even Daffy Duck. God's acquainted with the sparrows, with the stars. And the Bible tells us in Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three that the steps of a righteous man are directed by the Lord. So God's even acquainted with our steps. Job thirty-four twenty-one says, God's eyes are upon the ways of man. He sees all their steps. God knows your ways. He knows your steps. In fact, years ago, I think it was 1999, I was traveling through El Salvador on a missions trip, and we were driving up through the mountainous roads, and there were a lot of twists and turns, and the, the roads in El Salvador were full of surprises. Every time you came around a turn, you didn't know what was going to be waiting for you in the road. Sometimes there were kids playing in the road. Other times there was a dog in the road. One time there was even a horse right in the middle of the road. Another time there was a, a vendor, a man standing on the side of the road holding an iguana by the tail. And I hate to say this, but sadly, even twice as we went through the roads, we found, uh, saw dead bodies. There was a little boy that was hit by a car that was lying on the side of the road dead. And there was a woman who had been hit by a car. So El Salvador, the roads were full of surprises. But God knows your surprises. He knows what's down the road for you. You might not know what's ahead, folks. You might not know what's right around the next turn. But you know what? God does. So don't fear what the future holds because God is already, already there. Don't fear what the future holds because you need to fear the one who holds the future, and that's God. David said in Psalm 25, verse 15, My eyes are continually upon the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. God knows what's waiting for you, folks. Amen? He's acquainted with your steps. He's acquainted with your surprises. He's acquainted with the stars. He's acquainted with the sparrows. And he's also acquainted with our secrets. Uh Uh-oh. God knows your secrets. Psalm 44, 21, he knows the secrets of the heart. And even worse than that, it says, God knows our secret sins. Psalm 90, verse 8 says, our secret sins are in the light of his presence. Wow. God knows our secret sins. Maybe nobody else knows what skeletons you have in the closet, but God knows your skeletons. In fact, Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen says, God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether good or evil. So you know what, folks? I guess we must well just confess our sins, knowing he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Amen. And he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God's omniscient, he knows your ways, verse 3. But in verse 4, God also knows your words. He knows the words you speak. Matthew twelve thirty four, Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, what you put in your heart 
will come out of your mouth. This is why David says in Psalm 141, verse 3, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Don't incline my heart to any evil thing, because what goes in your heart will come out of your mouth, and God knows your words. As I said, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and I remember way back, I think 1996, Art Modell, the owner of the former Cleveland Browns, said, he said, as long as I owned the Cleveland Browns, they will remain in Cleveland. And within a year, he moved them to Baltimore. Revelation 21.8 says, Liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire, my friends. He knows every word that comes out of our mouth. Matthew 12.36, Every careless word that men shall speak, we shall render account for in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. God knows your words. So let's set a guard over our mouth. Think about this. Somebody once said, We spend the first two years of our lives learning how to speak. And then we spend the rest of our lives learning how to try and keep our mouths quiet. Amen? I know that one. David said in Psalm 19, verse 14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. What a great prayer. Psalm 19, verse 14. So we see, first of all, David pulls back the curtain, and we see God's omniscience, his his knowing your ways, he knows your words. But in verses 7 through 12, God also, we see his omnipresence, that he is present everywhere. I'm going to take a pause for a little bit of Java. Give you a breath here. Psalm 139, go to verse 7 through 12. God's omnipresence. Uh, Nothing like a good cup of coffee. Amen. Here we go. Psalm 139, starting at verse 7, says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkest is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Man, God is present everywhere. Where can we go from his presence, from his spirit? If he ascended heaven... God is there. If you descend to the Sheol, God is there. You see, you can't hide from God. He is omnipresent, present everywhere. I remember back when, year 2000, I was in Cleveland, Ohio. I would go down there and feed the homeless often, every month, a few times a month. And I met a young homeless lady there named Jennifer. And one morning, my doorbell rings. Now listen, I live about 45 miles away from Cleveland is where I lived at the time. And my doorbell rings one morning. And guess who's standing at the door? It's Jennifer. How she found where I live, I have no idea. This was before I even Facebook was even around that I know of. And Jennifer found me in this little town that I lived in. And she told me, she said, God told me I'm supposed to move in with you and your family. And I'm thinking, well, God never told me that. And then about seven years later, around 2007, I'm now working in Akron, Ohio at the Salvation Army. And guess who shows up at the front desk? Yes, you're right, Jennifer. And guess what she says to me? She says, God told me I'm supposed to move in with you and your family. And again, I said, well, God didn't tell me that. And believe it or not, seven years later, I'm in Rochester, New York. I'm in the church at the platform. And guess who comes walking down the aisle in Rochester, New York, seven years later? Yes, Jennifer. And guess what she says? You're right, sure enough. God told me I was supposed to move in with you and your family. I thought, well, God never told me that again. And haven't seen her since. <laughs> but I could not get away from Jennifer. She kept finding me. It's just like you can't hide from her. Just like you can't hide from God. 
Martin Luther called God the, the hound of heaven. The hound of heaven. Jeremiah 23, 24, God says, can a man hide himself in hiding places so that I do not see him? God says, no, I fill the heavens and the earth. You can't hide from God. He's the hound of heaven. I did a little study about bloodhounds. I'm not a dog person, but I did a little study on bloodhounds, and I've, I read this. It's hard to believe that it says bloodhounds can smell 1,000 times better than a human. How they determined that, I have no idea, but they said bloodhounds can smell 1,000 times better than humans. In fact, I read that a bloodhound can smell an object 12 miles away. Now, I can't verify that, but that's what I looked up and saw. A bloodhound could smell an object 12 miles away. I would love to say my wife has the nose of a bloodhound, but that would be curtains for me. But my wife has this beautiful, cute little nose. My nose is twice as big, but hers works twice as better as mine. And one day we walked into a drugstore, and my wife said, oh, Lisa's here. I said, how do you know Lisa's in this store? She said, I could smell her perfume. And sure enough, Lisa was in the store at the very opposite end of the store, but somehow my wife could smell her out. Uh, it's like kind of like God. You can run, but you can't hide. I had a guy call me the other day and said, Pastor, Pastor, he called me on the phone. Pastor, I think I'm invisible. I said, sorry, sir, I can't see you right now. <laughs> sorry about that one. Anyhow, Hebrews 4.13 says, There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God, the hound of heaven. You can't hide from him. He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. Amen. So that's God's omnipresence. Now we're going to go on to verses 13 through 16, and we're going to see God's omnipotence. What does omnipotence mean? All-powerful. Mm. All right, here we go. Psalm 139, starting at verse 13 through 16 says, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me repeat that again because we're going to meditate upon this part. I give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of you are a little more fearful. Some of you are a little more wonderful. But anyhow, wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Wow. God is not only omnipresent and only omniscient, but he's also omnipotent. He is all-powerful. It says here in verse 14 that we are fearfully made. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's a thought. Genesis 9-2 said God made the animals to fear man. Why did God make the animals to fear man? Because the heart of man is full of evil and insanity. Ecclesiastes 9-3. Man will have a tendency sometimes to abuse their animals, sad to say. But God made animals fear man for their own protection and their own benefit. Agree? Amen? So I got to believe God made man to fear him also, to fear God, for our own benefit and our own protection. Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 14.26 says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. When you fear God, you can have confidence that God is with you and for you. David says, who is the man who fears the Lord? God will instruct him in the way he should go, Psalm 25, verse 12. So you can have confidence that if you fear God, he's going to guide your steps, that, that God will have your back if you only seek his face. Isaiah 58 Verse 8 says, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence that God will direct your steps. 
I saw this sad story. It was on the internet. True story from what I could tell, from what I've read. Many places. 23-year-old young man named Colin. I won't mention his last name. But Colin graduated from college. And to celebrate his college graduation, to being a smart guy, he goes to Yellowstone Park with his sister to go and visit the geysers and the hot springs. And as they're walking along the protection of the boardwalk around the hot springs, Colin decides that he wants to go and take a bath in one of the hot springs. And sad to say, but his sister actually has this all on film. Do you know how hot a hot springs get? The average temperature is 199 degrees, and he wants to go take a bath in there. So he leaves the protection of the boardwalk and goes where he's not supposed to go. There is a way that seems right to a man, my friends, but the end of its way is death. As he gets near the hot spring, he wants to see how warm the water is, how hot the water is. He actually slips in to this water, 199 degrees. And it's sad, but his body dissolves and disintegrates, and he's never seen again. Wow. God made us to fear him for our own protection. Proverbs 10.27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongs life. So God made us to fear him. Fools despise instruction, Proverbs 1.7. So we're fearfully made. You're made to fear God. It's your protection. It's your benefit. But also, verse 14 of Psalm 139 says, we are wonderfully made. We're also wonderful. That's great. God calls us wonderful because I've been called incorrigible by a professor at college. I've been called a rebel by a psychiatrist. I've been called weird by another pastor. I've been called a racist by a a racist. (laughs) I've been called a wimp by a young high school girl. None of those words are very flattering, but God calls me wonderful. Amen? Wonderful. I can look in the mirror and say, wow, I am wonderful. In fact, in Colossians 3, 12, God calls me chosen. He calls me holy and beloved. Amen. I like that. John 1, 12, God calls me a child of God. Amen. We are wonderfully made. Verse 13 says, God's power formed us and God wove us. He formed you and he wove you. And in verse 15 says, with great skill, he formed you and he made you. He wove you. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Man, God is working in you for his will and his good pleasure. Genesis 131, when God made creation, he made man. What did he say? He said he looked at creation, he looked at man and said, this is very good, very good. Think about the body that God made, your body. Think about your brain. You know your brain registers pain in one-fiftieth of a second? Do you know your brain uses 30 billion neurons to transmit messages? 30 billion, 30 billion neurons to transmit messages. But every time we drink alcohol and do different things, we destroy those neurons and our messages get all messed up. So just our brain shows us that we are wonderfully made. In fact, I read where the brain is the most complex, complex organism, organ in the world. In fact, look at our breath. What I read is we breathe, you know how many times we breathe a day? From what I read, 23,400 times a day we breathe, except the day I met my wife. She took my breath away. Amen. I hope she's listening. We also inhale 2,600 gallons of air daily. Wow. We are wonderfully made with skill. He formed us. Our brains, our breath, our bones. You know what it says? Our bones are four times stronger than steel. They can endure 24,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. Man. You are wonderful. Not only our brain and our breath and our bones say we are wonderful, but our bodies, our blood. Cleveland Clinic says, and this is hard to believe, Cleveland Clinic says that there are 60 
60,000 miles of blood vessels in the human body. 60,000 miles of blood vessels in the human body, according to Cleveland Clinic, from what I read. I read where our hearts pump 5,000 gallons of blood daily. That's how much blood we need, man. 5,000 gallons of, to, to go through our body. But Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Christ we have redemption through his blood. All we need is one ounce of Christ's blood, amen? And you can be a new creation. You can have new life, amen? Your sins can be forgiven. So our brain, our breath, our bones, our body all tell us that we are wonderfully made by God's omnipotence. He's all-powerful, and he made your body work all together for good. Think about how complex the human body is. God put that together and makes it work. And then in verse 16, it says, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not calamity, but to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for your life. Philippians 2, 13. God's at work in you for his will and his good pleasure. In Romans 8, 28, God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. God's got a plan for your life. And he can make everything in your life come together and work. Just like he makes your body your brain, your breath, your bones, your blood, all work together. God's power can work in your life to perform his plans in your life. What a great message that is. God's omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence all works in your life to get you where God wants you. And in closing, verse 17 says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. God has a great amount of thoughts to us. We are precious in God's eyes. Today, you might be sitting out and listening on the radio and feel like nobody cares about you. Mother Teresa said the greatest suffering is to be unwanted, unloved, uncared for, to be shunned by everybody, to be just nobody. But God thinks you are precious. He made you wonderfully. I read the story about President Nixon. Six weeks after he resigned from his presidency in humility, he's lying in the hospital bed, just had gallbladder surgery. The curtains are closed. The room is dark. He's depressed. I read he just wanted to die. And also the nurse walks in to that dark room, pulls back the curtain, in comes the sunlight, and out the window there's a plane flying by pulling one of those signs. And the sign says, God loves you, and we do too. That was orchestrated by Billy, Reverend Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth Graham. Wow. God loves you, and we do too. So today I pray that I pulled back the curtain, as David pulled back the curtain in Psalm 139, and that you see God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He knows your ways, and he knows your words. I pray that you have seen today God is omnipresent. He's present everywhere. You can't hide from God. He's there with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? And we see God's omnipotence. He is all-powerful. You're fearfully made. Made to fear him, and you're wonderfully made. Your whole body works together, and God has a plan for your life, and he can make it all work together. So I thank you this morning for listening to the Java and Jesus radio show. I pray you had some some Java in your cup, and I pray that this word on this radio show has lifted you up. I want to say thank you for listening to WYSL Radio, the voice of liberty. Again, this is Pastor John Souza with the Salvation Army in Rochester, New York. God bless you, and have a great day. 
Amen. <laughs>